Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast creator corner. I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson. And today we're joined by Jeff Haas, the writer and creator of Malik Reigning Devil, as well as Santa Claus. And that's under the uh, the one, two, three go banner, correct? That is correct. All right. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jeff. All right. Um, like I said, I'm an author of uh, Malik and Santa Claus. I've also been the writer of Nightmare Patrol from Vector Comic Books and also Sanctus from Arcana Comic Books. Um, I'm also a public relations manager for the Spoiler Country podcast, and I host the episode usually a couple times a week as well. Excellent. Busy man. So you're a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. So, Jeff, do you want to start with uh, Malik? That's the one you've got a Kickstarter coming up for soon, right? Yeah, let's jump in with Malik. So, uh, yeah, you sent over the first issue to us uh, to check out, and uh, who, who's who's your team on that? I'm absolutely the author of the book. The penciler um, artist is Juan Manuel, if I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Colorist on it is Chris McAuley, and the letterer is Phoebe Xavier, and also the editor. Yeah, so you've sprung for an editor here. Now, now what does an editor do in the scope of you know, independent comics that you are creating yourself. I'm, I'm curious about this just from my own standpoint, having, you know, just, just created a comic book ourselves. We didn't, we didn't have an editor and I'm just, I'm curious of, of what the, what the value is, you know, cause on a, on a larger scale, you know, they're juggling big storylines and creative teams and keeping everything in line, but it kind of seems like, like you're the big man on campus. So, well, in, in this particular case, Phoebe Xavier is also the, publisher um one two three go is um she's the owner as well so owner but acting as also the editor on the comic book itself and as an editor i've, I've been finding her actually invaluable um to be honest with you she catches a lot of screw-ups on my part where i might have either had a lapse of um, continuity that i missed on something um but where she shines the most is with dealing with the artist and colorist which I'm really bad at. <laughs> I'm good at writing. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I consider, at least I like to think I'm a good writer. I, I'm good at writing panel descriptions, but I tend to be someone who, when the art comes back to me, I tend to be very quick to be either it's good, it's bad. I'm not one who tends to have the tension span of sitting there and studying the art to make sure it fits and its continuity is intact and everything works out. Oh, and like, and like following the storytelling just to make sure that everything makes sense panel to panel. And, and, and all that. Uh, she does that very well, and she catches mistakes. Uh, for instance, uh, this could be one example. For the story to make sense, all the angels that are sent down from heaven within hell have to carry the light, the yellow light of God. That means they can exist in hell. Um, it's, it's part of the continuity for the initial storyline, which was God's sword to make any sense. With Malik, you have to have this other thing in, attached. And I'm someone who, when, they, when he gets stuff, tends to be... Um, you know, I see it, it's good, it's good, and I tend to move on. She catches, you know, catches it. Well, I'm in the back, the character in the background, that angel, there's no light around that angel. You need to do fix this. I noticed the coloring of Malik's hands because his body changes, the comic book evolves because in hell he's being corrupted by it. Um, I tend to, once again, see something and it's either good or bad. Phoebe tends to be very good at going. If you notice in that image, the hand doesn't look like it's supposed to. If you look closely enough at it, you need to fix that. And kind of, kind of acts as the bridge between me and the artist as well to make sure everything is working properly and everything's firing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I imagine if, if you're not one who's used to picking apart art and, and figuring out why something's not working, it, it could just come off as like the, 
I don't know why this doesn't work, but it doesn't work. So do something else. And, the, you know, it, it might be good to have somebody. In, I mean, not saying that that's what happens, but that, that happens in my job. So <laughs> I wish I had I wish I had a go between here and there to to uh, to say, like, hey, can you can you figure out from them why exactly it doesn't work? I can fix it better that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in my head I have, you know, I have good, I have good ideas. But the one thing you learn about writing is that what looks good in your head does not necessarily make sense on a two-dimensional panel. Everything is kind of being squished like that. And as someone who's not good at design, not great, not great visually, especially not good with colors and balance with that stuff, it just looks like images to me that look good or entertaining. I'm not a detail-oriented person in that sense. So an editor who is detail-oriented does carry quite a bit of the weight. Yeah. That's awesome. D does she get involved with like pacing and stuff from like, is, are you working with her from, from the script forward or does she not get involved until it's starting to get drawn? She will get involved with, with the script. I obviously have a lot of leeway, but she will step in when I, she thinks I might've gone off the track a little bit. For instance, there's going to be another um, Malik, a mini comic book that's going to appear in, an, in another anthology book that she's working on. And a couple of, story ideas that I had and my story tends to be kind of sort of adapted from some biblical concepts that I kind of move over. Um, sometimes I drift from it much further than maybe I could. And she'd be like, you know what? You might want to go back and make it a little more like this because what you're trying to create with the mythology doesn't make any sense if you keep going in that direction. So, I mean, we, we go back and forth. We have some little arguments usually back and forth. Um, sometimes I win the argument I, and I stick to my guns. Sometimes I relent and I realize she's right. And like I said, when, if you have an editor that you trust and you have an editor that trusts you, it's worth having those conversations because unless you're a complete arrogant a-hole, there's going to be mistakes that you make and you need to be able to look at your work and have someone look at your work honestly and then look, listen to the honest criticism and then change what you've done. Yeah. You know, and I think it works with uh, Phoebe. Yeah, especially when it's when it's constructive criticism and there's somebody who like it sounds like with Phoebe, somebody who's invested in the product as much as you are because she's got she's got a personal stake in it. So she's not just out there to to be a jerk. Right. I agree 100%. And you know, it and as an editor it doesn't cost me anything either. So yeah, it's, yeah. because it's the publisher. So it, it, it's always good to have more voices. A writer that really wants to do something well is never hurt by having more voices giving feedback on what's been written. And I like to think I'm open enough and adult enough to take the criticism. <laughs> ben, disregard that last line. <laughs> if I, if I write something, it's gold. <laughs> no. Um, and I did have a, I did have one question looking at the, uh, at the, uh, the PDF for Malik reigning devil. Um, it starts off with a, uh, with a previously in, in quote, in quotes, uh, gunmetal black ops, number one. Right. And and it's got a little uh, little one page short story setup. And now was was that from an anthology or what what is that from there? Cuz it seems to be setting up Malik's uh backstory. Yeah, uh, Gunmetal Black Ops number 1 was an was an anthology book from 123 Go Publication, which was the initial way I was introduced to the company. I pitched an 8-page comic book called God's Sword that kind of had Malik going to hell on God's order to kill Lucifer. Mhm. Mm and it was meant as a eight-page complete story. Um, however, I enjoyed writing it. Phoebe enjoyed the story. And we thought to ourselves, you have more story than just this eight pages. So we kept going with issue one. However, 
I mean, we could have, I guess, added the full eight pages leading into it, but we decided let's launch number one and then have the preview from um, God's Sword. And if it ever, you know, when we complete the full mini, which will be six issues, and we collect it, we'll put in the eight pages before it, and we'll build it that way. Yeah, awesome. We've kind of touched on it here and there. Do you want to give like a quick synopsis of what Malik Reigning Devil is about? Sure. Basically, Malik is what you would call is, is the destroying angel. He's God's assassin angel. Um, he's created for the sole purpose of killing those that God wishes to be killed. In the God Sword a miniseries, God has decided to kill Lucifer with the idea that Lucifer was going to eventually war with heaven. So take him, take it out, take him out now. For Malik to make it to hell, God told him that he would have to fall in order to do it. So he commits a horrible sin in, in killing one of his brother angels um, in cold blood, which would automatically damn him to hell. While in hell, he decides he's now in the position to kill Lucifer. There are two problems with that, however. First problem, once you go to hell as a fallen angel, you can never go back to heaven, which he doesn't realize that, and now he's damned forever. Second issue, once you kill Lucifer, you become the new Lucifer in hell. So Malik takes, takes over from that storyline, and it's about Malik's journey of discovery of who he is going to be for now on, but it's his mission to take control over hell and eventually attempt to launch a war against heaven and get revenge on the, the god that he felt forsook him. And that's where issue one and eventually issue two is going to focus on his time in hell as he's trying to get full control over the circle of hell and move further eventually to purgatory and then um, to heaven. So, so God kind of screwed up a little bit sending this guy. Uh, yeah, well, the, the <laughs> idea, well, God was on the impression that Malik's love for it, for God, would be perpetual, internal, and forever. However, Malik at some point realizes that I got screwed and God loses control over his pawn, as it were. So, yeah, God um, misjudged the situation. Um, and when Gabriel comes down the first issue and pretty much tells Malik to knock it off, you're doing what God, where God's where God wants you. Malik pretty much has had enough of God, has enough of bullshit, and is basically, I'm gonna come, I'm coming for you. That's just how it's gonna go from this point forward. And he's pretty much almost like a freight train plowing forward for much of this miniseries. And just to just to ask the question right now, since we're going into more story details with that scene there, um, do. Are, are is that venturing too far into spoiler territory? Issues one been around now has been out for about um, almost a year, so I, I assume. Oh, okay, okay. They, they they probably read it by now. So issue two is what's going to be kickstarted. Anyone who's kicks um, donating to issue two probably will receive issue one anyway. That hopefully they've read. <laughs> Buy the issue now, guys. Indie Planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on that note, where can people find Malik, Raining Devil? Malik is available on Indie Planet. Um, digital is 99 cents, so it's easy. It's nice and cheap. Just go ahead mm -hmm. and do it. Um, the hard copy, I believe, is more. I think it's like $5 or so, and then I think there's a shipping cost to that. So hard copy, about 4 or $5. Digital, a buck. That's the, that's yeah. the right price. You can't lose. Right. So the, the Kickstarter, I guess, uh, when, when does that launch for, for Malik number two? The initial goal is to get it launched by May 15th, so probably in time between the 15th and maybe the 22nd will be the official launch of it. We're going to have a kind of big rollout. We're going to have, you know, different um, tiers, obviously. Uh, we're going to have where the first issue is going to be available. We're going to have a preview of issue two. Um, there's also going to probably be, um, there's going to be pins, potentially shirts, a bunch of, a bunch of stuff. 
Um, I think the gold we're going to ask for is about a thousand dollars in about in the first thirty days. Oh, nice. Is that money for, to pay the artists or? Um... Yeah, basically, it's going to be com- completion to um, com- complete payment to deal to pay for the printing to help pay for the final production of, I say, the the, the issue. Um, the penciler has been um, is paid. Um, already, but once again, we have the colorist. The, um, you know, I, I would like to get paid as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, ideally, and, and a few other things. Awesome. So, is the book already in production right now? The book is actually almost complete. We still nice. have lettering to do. We still have coloring to to work on, but the actual penciling of it is complete. With Kickstarter, I always appreciate it when 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 the stuff is is nearly done or at least imminent. You know, it's it's got something in there. Occasionally you see projects for folks where they, you know, this is my concept. It's like, eh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. We're, we're, we're well past concept. Like I said, issue two is probably 60% complete. Um, issue three and four are fully written. So yeah, we're, 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 we're deep into production. The first issue, like I said, is complete. So we do have a guarantee that we will finish a project. We do have um, success at completing a project. So Hopefully anyone who does want to look at our Kickstarter, hopefully will, they will know that what they're donating to is something that is guaranteed to complete. And within a, within probably a few months of the completion of the Kickstarter. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. We will, uh, we'll put the link to that Kickstarter in the show notes. So anyone listening can check that out and, uh, make it easy to find. Yeah. Like I said, thank you. Appreciate that. Like I said, when it's time, everyone donate, even if it's a buck each. Just get a thousand of you guys to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. What got you into comic book writing? Oh, I'm a long-term comic book nerd. <laughs> uh, my father was first-generation comic book nerd. He was buying in the 60s. He got me sucked into comic books sometime in the 80s. Good man. Yes, good man. He was. He, he's also um, a writer. We wrote Nightmare Patrol together, um, which is a four-issue miniseries from Vector Comic Books. And basically, after being a comic book nerd for a long time, I decided um, to attempt becoming a, a comic book writer. Um, this was around the time of Crossing Comic Books. I was going to submit to them. But right around the time I was submitting, they announced they were going to go out of business. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do this myself. So I put together um, Sanctus, um, submitted to Arcana at the time. And, you know, it, the first vo- the volume got released. I enjoyed it. And I became obsessive about publishing more <laughs> as I think every writer becomes. Yeah. There, there's something, there's something that, uh, that just juices you up about, about seeing your book in print. Like I I've, I've always loved creating comic books. I've always wanted to my entire life. And, but, but there's, there's something about even just the last few weeks since, uh, since we, since we got a book back from the printer where all of a sudden it's just like, I'm, I'm obsessed with the idea. Like, like it, it, it's, you're, you're just like, you're going into like street fighter, like ultra power and you need to release that, that Shinku Duken or some shit. <laughs> I agree. I mean, if you, this was on video, which is not, you would notice that the wall behind me is a vanity wall. And luckily my wife has been tolerant enough that in my living room, I have a whole wall of things that are published by me. Nice. And, um, it's all up there. And it has my name, Haas, down the center in these big block letters because I'm, I'm obviously an arrogant ass, as all. <laughs> um, and it, it's there. And every time I get a new publication, it goes, you know, I put it on the wall. It gets up there and it becomes a new thing. And, yeah, it gets to you. And then when you go to a convention and then you sign that autograph, mm-hmm. which is really – it's such an, an ego trip. I mean, 
for that one moment we sign an autograph, you feel for a moment that you might as well be Frank Miller, you could be Steven Spielberg. You put an autograph on a piece on a comic book, especially if they requested the autograph. And for the rest of the day, you're in your head, you're this big shot for 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 at least until the next person walks by your table and goes, "Are you the artist?" You know, they just they walk away from you. Uh, <laughs> to that moment, from that moment of the autograph to the next time they uh, ditch, uh, you know, diss you. You are as big as any other comic book artist out there, or writer. That's the thing with comics too, is that uh, you know the artist is definitely the star. Yes, a hundred percent. They are the star. I will tell you, if, if I if if every time someone came to my table and said, "Are you the artist of that book?" and I said no, and they walked away. If they instead left me one dollar, I could easily finance the issue two without. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I know I, I can empathize with that. Like sitting at the, you know, I've done a few booths with John and uh, he is the artist. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yeah, like if I'm watching it and someone comes up and like, is this your stuff? Like, no, nope, no, nope, I'm just, uh, I'm just the guy that hangs around. <laughs> You're like, my my name is on one of the things. Yeah, yeah, I helped but, write that, but, uh, but, you know. But I did not draw those prints there. No. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it really is like, you know, I'm the creator of the entire idea emerged from my brain. These yeah. characters became real because I made them real. It's like, yeah, but did you draw the picture? <laughs> I'm essential. Yeah. It's like, no, nah, I'm good. I just, I just wanted the art. It looked cool. Do you have any uh, prints? It's like, no, nah, dude. <laughs> I have copies of the script. Do you want those? <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, the best thing you could do is probably sit behind your your table at a convention with a sketch pad and just look busy sketching the nonsense that you can do, and just get someone come to your team and they say you're the artist. Just say yes. Yeah, <laughs> I am the artist. <laughs> Buy my book. I mean, work it out with your artist where you can take his portfolio of like the original artwork to shows, and then you just get a cut when you sell it. So you're like, oh yeah. I'm not doing sketches today, but you know, I, I do have original art from the comic book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but to the listener, support your local writer. We, we, we get sad too. at tables. I need you to buy stuff from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to be as flashy. Yeah. Apparently no one wants a copy of the original script in which you wrote it. No, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it was funny. I, 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 kept i still have it around somewhere but like initially when it, i when uh when we wrote our script for our comic book i was doing my thumbnails just like on the script and i was like yeah maybe 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 i can uh, i can work that in as a reward somewhere and eventually i was just like and eh, nobody actually nobody actually wants this from me i don't, I don't, I don't know but what one day one day it'll be useful yes one day you know like i said maybe like marv wolfman he sells his original script so if you ever get big enough to be like marv wolfman you know, you can tell your script. It just will take you 40 years of experience and talent and yeah. celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure Alan Moore can <laughs> sell his scripts with no issue. Yes. And with complaints about how everyone ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He won't understand the praise for it. Right. <laughs> so do we, do we move on to Santa Claus? Totally up to you. I say yes, even though I didn't get a chance to read it. So I need to be the, um, the everyman. Where I need to be told about this and sold on it. Yeah, I, I read it. <laughs> so Santa Claus is your other book. I read it earlier today, and it was, uh, it's like a darker take on Santa, which uh, I'm always appreciative of. That's the Santa I want to read about. It, it, it's sort of, basically the goal of it was to make a kid's horror book. Um, and obviously to take a, uh, um, a swipe at materialism and you know consumer culture. But the key point was to write it for as a kid's horror story. 
for one reason was that most of my other books were hard adult, you know, violent books. And I wanted a book there as well for a different audience. So, you know, for, uh, diversify as you should at your table. Yeah, because because Malik, uh, Malik is definitely some heavier material. Yes, the best quote I've heard from Malik, and I think, and I can't remember the person, I think they gave me an overall negative review on it, but the quote they gave, I'm going to use it forever, is, it's metal as fuck. And you know what, <laughs> damn it, I will take it, and the rest they said, I don't remember, because, you know, who cares about the negative parts, but metal as fuck. And that's that's Malik in um, review. For- yeah. That's the zone you want to be in for, you know, fallen angel takes over hell. Like, if that's exactly. not, exactly. If, if, if you manage to write that and it's not metal, uh, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if you want to read Malik, you know, turn on some Nine Inch Nails, turn on some, you know, some 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 heavy chord, I don't know, Gosmack, who knows, whatever. Play in the background, Malik will, will get you going, you know? It's fun, it's violent. It, it, it goes out of its way to make a, um, a point and hopefully offend some people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, growing up, uh, growing up Mormon, I can definitely think of a couple people who would be offended and, and that's the right people to, to offend just by its very existence. Yeah, yeah. exactly. If, if you had a couple of very religious people who picked up a book about an angel and said, I want to read that. I would think to myself, please do. <laughs> yeah. Just get pissed off in about 25 minutes after finishing reading it. Yeah, and tell and please give me your reaction out loud. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so what Bob Malik is the metal as fuck story with the violence and the brutality and you know a, a lot of grotesque things. San, uh, Santa Claus is kind of the other end of the spectrum. It still has the beats of some horror elements, at least that was the attempt to put some horror elements in it, but it's meant for as more moralistic little more slightly more wholesome version of a horror story um and i will say um this another time when an editor comes in handy the, the original title was mr claus it was the editor's wisdom to change to santa claus as mr claus i guess didn't sound as marketable so I'll, I'll give credit to the editor as well for the name change after i fought her on it for about two weeks <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but i think she was right at the end yeah i mean just just looking at the cover like it's it's it is sinister as hell. Yeah, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't have even guessed automatically that it's for kids. That is, that is one, uh, one sinister looking Santa Claus there. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the cover artist did a great job. It's a different artist than who did the interior. The interior is done mm-hmm. by Joe Wong. There's definitely um, a visual change in in the, in the interior. Um, it's also lighter on colors. It's a little, um, slightly more, maybe it's more simplistic. Maybe uh, the right word with how the penciling was done. However. The goal of Santa Claus is to tell a moral tale. It's kind of like what I wanted to do is, is have the essence of all good Christmas stories where you have that moralistic tale, um, lesson is taught, that kind of thing, but do it in a way that goes runs counter to, I think, how a lot of Christmas stories tend to unfold, which is whatever moral lesson they're supposed to be giving you ends with it's all okay when you get your gift kind of thing it, and it's kind of and i kind of always been annoyed with that concept where no matter what happens if at the end of the day santa claus delivers the gift that you wanted it's all good and i thought you know what let's back away from that concept which to me is kind of crass very commercial consumerism kind of nonsense and let's focus on away from that concept let's focus on what if you just kept the thread of the, the family and the moral and all that stuff and made that the, the thread you left it at that as the through line um, I thought that was a more important story to tell, and I wanted to tell that with Santa Claus. 
Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to reading this. Just flipping through the PDF right now on my iPad as we as we speak about it. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty rad sleigh he's got there. I, I will say I will say no more. Basically, once again, instead of a, a, a the, the red sleigh, uh, I kind of wanted to make Santa Claus once again the symbol of high high level materialism. So he can't be driving a, a sled, which is kind of you know poor basic. He has to drive yeah, a red quaint. limo, right? He has to drive kind of like a red limo because he's Santa Claus. He's the very essence of all the shit that you want in your life. <laughs> it's like a like a pimp mobile. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah a, a pimp mobile by way of like shield in Marvel comics. Yeah. He rolls up like, "Hey, kid, you want to come check out the North Pole?" <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, on, on a, in a very real, real way, when I was thinking about it too, is when you take the idea of Santa and you and is, I mean, I'm sure not the one first one who thought of it, but you take the name Santa and you switch over the A and the N, um, you get very close to Satan. And the idea of they're both very red, you know, they, they focus on the color red. They both are trying to manipulate people based on what they can give them. Um, and that only difference with this end, once again, this end, there is a cost. But I kind of thought, you know, that does kind of overlap as well. So the big kind of devilish looking limo is kind of, I don't know, I think that personifies what to me is Santa Claus. Yeah. And how many issues is this one planned to be? It's going to be two issues. Um the next one will hopefully be released for Christmas. So copy Christmas, you know, Merry Christmas kids buy your anti Christmas comic book. <laughs> and then never want anything for Christmas ever again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get get was, ready for disillusionment. Yeah. I was definitely a little <laughs> bummed when I got to the end and I was like, Oh, Oh, that's it. This, this story is not done yet. Dang it. Yeah. I, I, eventually when the second issue is done, I'm probably going to do a lot of for publishing them as a trade with the two issues combined. However, the hope was to publish the first issue, sell it at the tables, and help build income for the next issue. Yeah. Um, of course, COVID got in the way of a lot of that, and I have not been to a convention since well before COVID. So that got in the way of that. But the goal was to have the first issue out and help um, finance the second issue and eventually have them published together when they're both done. But, um, you know, life is what it is yeah yeah, yeah. The, the the world is getting in most people's way right now and and comics are uh, are no exception to it it is dumb i can't wait to start doing shows again it, it it would be nice i mean a good show and there's been and there's some good ones is is, is no one does you feel or do you feel good doing it but once again that keeps the business rolling mm-hmm. uh, if you're a comic book fan at all and you want to talk about the importance of supporting authors and writers in any comic books buying at a convention is how you do it. I mean, I'm sure it's nice to buy your DC and Marvel comic books and I'm not the only one who I'm sure a lot of people like me who, when they went to Trificon or something, they got an autograph from like Val Kimmer and spent, you know, all that money on that. <laughs> at least find one comic book table, one indie writer and buy one, at least one comic book from somebody who's completely independent. Yeah. Keep the ball rolling. Yep. You know, even if it's not mine, which it should be mine, god damn it. <laughs> uh, you should still buy it from somebody. Well, yeah, buy buy one of yours and one of somebody else's. That's true. If you don't buy it from me, then, you know, I don't care who you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who also is a comic writer, I do, when I go to conventions, I try to find one or two indie tables and buy from them as well. Yeah. If everyone found at least one writer to buy, indie writer to buy one comic book from, It'd be a big boost to the indie comic book industry. It'd be a big boost to 
the small market comic book conventions as well. Yep. You know, and those who are like, um, I don't know, Alan Moore, as you said earlier, I'm sure he has plenty of money. doesn't need your, you know, $5 for a comic book. <laughs> when we did our Kickstarter back in December, it surprised me how good the reception was, you know, from two, uh, you know, schlubs that nobody knew who they were doing something, you know, that was our first time, you know? So we didn't have like a a record of doing anything successful, but uh, there was quite a bit of support from, you know, people that we had no idea who they were. And, uh, and our aunts and uncles and And, and people that we did know, but but it, it is cool that that, that that is now a scene. Like that's a thing that you can do and that, that it's, it's a vibrant one. And I agree with that as well. I mean, once again, with um, hopefully it doesn't sound like Sour Grace, but if, if you want to donate to a Kickstarter, there are multiple, you know, there's some Kickstarters that were a famous people who do Kickstarters. Please support, though, the people who have no names you don't know at all who probably need the money far more to produce what they want to produce. Well, yeah, that that's the thing. Like, if, if I see that, like, Boom Comics is doing a Kickstarter for Keanu Reeves' book... It's like, come on, dude. Like you guys, you guys do not need me to fund that for you. Get the hell out of here. But especially after, after having gone through the process of, of running it or, you know, doing a Kickstarter campaign, I'm, I'm more active on there supporting or, you know, backing other campaigns than I ever was before. Cause there's so much good shit out there that that you would never see otherwise and you know it's and if nothing else like you were saying you know like if you just make a point to to support one project per show like it's it's even karmically good you know like it it you're you're supporting a an industry that you want to be a part of so if we're all sitting there pirating all these books or not supporting it at all it's not going to exist and nobody is ever going to get anything funded ever again i I agree with you 100 i think the biggest trap create creatives can fall into is self-absorption worrying about just your book when I was like, yeah, but once again, supporting everyone, getting everyone moving is also a good way to get yourself also promoted. And, you know, even if you're going to be selfish about it, keep in mind, everyone has different groups of followers. When you make connections as you and they follow you and you follow them when they, when they hopefully are friends of yours, they retweet you as well. You're borrowing from their success as well, and they're borrowing from yours. It's a good way to bring together the resources and helps, and do, it does help everybody. It gets more eyes. And keep in mind, too, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, these are all run by algorithms. They track who tweets or whose messages are getting noticed by people or getting likes or getting shares or getting comments. And when they do they get further shared in, into the larger and larger group. If you think, if you have 800, if you have, I think you're like 30, 3,500 followers on Twitter, 3,500 people are not seeing every tweet you make. Yeah, You're getting a small portion of that. However, if other people, the more people start liking and commenting and sharing and retweeting, twi- Twitter will further market your tweet more and more and more eyes will see it. So even the little things like if you're on Facebook, hitting like, on an image of an indie writer, helps that indie writer get more eyes on their product because Facebook will spend more time promoting that comment and will show up in more walls, more feeds. So even the little things help and create a bigger, more um, luxurious indie world, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, 
COVID aside, the the this year kind of made me realize that like the the indie comics market is actually pretty active. It's a lot more active than I thought it was before I was really paying attention to it. And there's just a boatload of interesting stories being told out there um, in a time where DC's putting out, you know, like half of their books are fucking Batman books telling a lot of some, some less than stellar stories. Uh, you know, the really interesting stuff that I've read over the last year was almost all, you know, if not indie small press type stuff. Um, I would agree. I, I will say my collecting habits have changed over the last five years. Um, uh, I think I used to collect maybe 15 books a month and probably 10 of them were DC. Uh, I will say now image and IDW, um, sometimes boom. Yeah. Um, you know, now have a larger chunk of my dollars and DC and Marvel or a much smaller percentage. Um, well, partly because Image is knocking it out. They have some great damn books. And when Saga ever comes back out, they'll have another purchase of mine. Uh, <laughs> that ever happens. But, and then, and there's even smaller ones who I probably would be more likely to purchase if I knew about them. And that's the other thing, you know, people should be talking about other people's books, especially indie ones far more. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm in the exact same boat as you, you know, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a DC kid, but lately it's, it's been mostly image and boom and aftershocks putting out some good stuff. Having said that though, I do have to shout out cause, cause I'm sure they need it. But uh detective comics has been really good. And the last couple issues of uh Superman in action, I'm, I'm excited for the, uh, for the direction they're going in with the, with the new uh, writer, Philip Kennedy Johnson. I've, I'll give him a shout out. We actually, I just interviewed him yesterday. Oh, no kidding. And we talked about action comics. We talked about Superman. Oh, damn. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Um, I will let it, it probably won't come out for a few weeks, but he's actually leaving Superman. He's going to focus entirely on action comic books and alien on for Marvel. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's, I guess Tom Taylor's taking over Superman now. Yeah. And they're going to do the John Kent thing. We'll see. I, I, I think the one issue, um, with, with DC that I will have always is that, I think from having collected DC for 30 years, I'm starting to see a recycling of some stories that I remember having already read something similar. So I'm starting to lose a little bit of some of that excitement because I felt like I've seen some of these stories already because I've been buying them for so many decades. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. Like I've, I've finally come around to something a buddy of mine told me years ago when I was trying to talk to him about superhero comics because he just wouldn't read them. Like he wouldn't read the big two. But I'm coming to his point of view more often where he's like, he was just, he was very cynical about it. I don't know if I'm quite so cynical, but it was just sort of like, I know where it's, I know how this is going to end. Like, I don't know the details, but I know there, you know, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a twist. And at the end of the day, the status quo will be back. So why is it even interesting? And that, you know, that's, that, that has kind of been an issue lately. You know, it's not always that, but more often than not, it is. So it's 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 harder for me to get into um, to big two comics these days. But um, I, I I would say I mostly agree. However, I, I will point out that Donny Case is killing it, absolutely killing it with Thor. Thor is wonderful. That 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 series is I I I, I never really bought Thor that often. I think I may have like twenty issues of Thor prior to, uh, which is not a lot considering my my the, the collection. But Connie Cage Thor is just, he's killing it with Thor. Yeah. Killed it with Venom. Um, I will say I am, I will at this point buy whatever Cates does. And I, I'm buying crossover from Image as well from him. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm having I'm having a little little bit of a tough time with crossover. I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if it's written for me. I don't, but but his Thor his Thor is is destroying it. Yes, I agree 100. Um, I also um, there's some other writers I think are just doing very well. Um, Tim Sheridan, Team Titans Academy is is worth it. Oh yeah. Um, I, I I spoke to him and he also had a valid point, which is once again buy the comic books if you want your these characters. If you I think a lot of people they complain about in DC, the world of DC, that basically 80% of DC is Batman. And, you know, and, and, and they're not wrong, but because Batman sells, if you want to see yeah. DC talk, look about, look at these other characters, then when the books come out, buy them. Even if you don't absolutely to God love them, support the idea of the C and D list characters, and DC will then start pulling out, try them more and more often. If all you're letting is buying is Batman and maybe Superman, then all you're going to get ever is Batman and Superman, which are great characters. I love them, but you, you got to support. You know, if you, you when when Hawkman came out with Robert Vidi, a great series. When Hawkman eventually got canceled, it wasn't just Hawkman that got hurt from it. It was DC looking going. Let's not try these other characters now because I doubt they're going to sell either. Yeah, Hawkman's a known quantity and we we couldn't sell him even with Brian Hitch involved. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, right. uh, the big 2 at this point are are so they're so married to their IP. Like they they've got a set IP and that's, you know, that's the bounds that 90% of their work stays in now is the the characters that they know people love. They're not they're not taking a lot of chances on anything. And uh, you know, I can understand that because the, the the print side of comic books, I, I don't think has been fantastically profitable in quite a while. Right. But I think, with, I don't know if the comic book buyers realizes that comic books on some level is a democracy. You, instead of votes, you pay your dollars. And once again, if Aquaman was selling 80,000 copies a month, you'd have Aquaman not getting canceled every 30 to 40 issues. If, Hawkman was selling 80,000 copies. You'd still have Hawkman. You'd have Green Arrow still out there. You'd have Firestorm out there. You'd have, you know, Red Tornado would have a story. You'd have all these comic books would be getting made if when they came out, people were purchasing them. But DC is not going to keep trying. doesn't want to keep... There's no reason for DC just to throw stuff out there if they don't think it's going to be profitable for obvious reasons. Oh, yeah, I understand it from a business point. But I mean, I mean, also, they have a responsibility to actually, like, make good books. And some of the stuff they've put out has not been that great. Mm. So <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, it's tough because it, it is, you know, every, every six months you hear something about, you know, whether or not Warner Brothers is going to shit can the, the print side of DC or license it out to someone else. And, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate yeah. that, that we live in a world where that's even it's even something that would be considered. Yeah, it's a conversation. Yeah, it, it, it is a conversation, but I don't think it's a realistic one. Comic books have been prophesied to have died every year for the last 20 years since the great collapse of the 90s. Um, and I'm sure they also were prophesied to die in the 50s when... Um, Wortham. Then, so yeah. Yes, yeah, Such an Innocent came out. And when you look at the numbers, if you ever look at um, a great website to look at is Comic Atron, which tracks monthly sales, yearly sales. Comic books have still been going up and have been profitable every year for about other than the COVID with the recent COVID issue, it killed it for a little while. This, um, but for the most part over the last 10 years, comic books have actually gone and in, have increased in sales overall. Um, they've increased in dollar amount and they increased in um, actual total volume. Comics are not dying. DC isn't dying. DC 
may have a focus change again from AT&T from a view of let's only keep those which will be the greatest amount of prof profitability, but DC is never going to get rid of their comic book line for not, for no other reasons that it is the cheapest way to test drive feature concepts. Now, what'd you say that website was again? Comic Hron, Com Comic H R O N. Okay. Um, it's done. I think it's the guy's name is uh, something. I can't remember something. Miller. Um, maybe is it Jason or Jacob? Uh, no, John, or John Miller. It's what it been something J something uh, Miller, and he's been tracking comic books monthly since Diamond has released their their list, and he has some older numbers that exist from the eighties. Mm -hmm. The 80s numbers are obviously going to be different and are, are some ways larger. But when you're looking from the 90s crash to now, you see often a relatively steady increase in sales. Not huge. I mean, this is sort of like the economy itself, which is it goes up one or two percent a year for the most part. A few, I think, like I said, in 2020, we're going to see a drop because of COVID and sales drop because distribution stopped for a little while, store shut down for a little while. For the most part, they increase. They, they increase across the board. And for that reason, there's no reason for DC, I mean, for AT&T to do it. And again, when you look at what they sell, the DC animated movies, like the, uh, the Long Halloween is coming out soon, which is from Tim Sheridan, the writer. That came from the comic books. A lot of what you see is driven in the movie. You see the movies, TV, cartoons, DC animated is driven ideas from the comic books first. And that's a cheap way to test out, does this idea work? Do people like this? And when they do, they can become the larger, more expensive things. DC is not going to get rid of their print anytime soon. They're not going... They, the fact that I think they said they um, license it out to other people, I don't see that happening. Um, you can check the time and date and get back to me if I'm ever wrong. But, <laughs> um, I'm, I, but I will say right now, um, I don't go too, go too much of the show the Mark Twain. No, um, news of my death has been exaggerated or however... It, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the news of the demise of comic books are greatly exaggerated. Yeah. They're, they're doing fine. You know, um, this, some stores are going to fall, go out of business and that's real. And real, real, realistically, most stores go under within two or three years to begin with. A lot of stores don't won't or don't survive for many different reasons, but those reasons are not necessarily the comic book sales, but when you include digital as well, some of that has to do with other um, cost of living expenses or increased the taxes on what they are cost to stores to stay open are greater as well. It's not necessarily a sign of the health of the industry itself. And I'm, and I'm just saying that someone who back um, some years ago, about five or six years ago, I used to write articles for a website called project fanboy. And I, it was called issues. I would investigate issues in the comic book industry. One thing I obviously investigated was sales and I was glad to find out. Um, and I kept following it is that we're, we're not that far off the sales numbers. Um, even if the, each issue itself isn't selling as many issues as a number one issue would used to sell like Batman used to sell 120,000 issues a month. And that was, you know, the number one comic book for the month. Now the number one may only be 90. However, the volume of the ones at the bottom are also increasing. I mean, spawn itself is back to six fifty thousand copies a month. That's bonkers. Right. It used to be down to 14, went down to 11. People are now, the bottom is now going up a little bit and is kind of um, helping to elevate the entire industry as well. Even though Marvel is still the large, by far the largest portion, I think it's like forty percent of the industry at this point. Still, jeez. <laughs> so, if anyone who wants to get into the weeds about the numbers, please let me know. We could talk all day. About that. <laughs> but as, but um, as someone who has 
monitored sales and comic books for a long time. Uh, I will tell you right now, they're, they're, they're just fine. Good. Thank you, fo- folks, for joining us on Geek Exploration Comics Corner today. Now, the, this actually made me want to, made me want to, man, I, I don't have time for another podcast, but, you know, like, like, like a concentrated talking comics, you know, the thing. Like, may, maybe it's just that I, that I don't spend as much time at a comic shop anymore since COVID. Cause I, I used to work like a block away from a comic shop. So I'd just like stop in on my, on my afternoon walks or whatever. But uh, I, I, I don't, I don't get a chance to talk comics. That was, ha, that was therapeutic. It felt good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's fun. Um, as, like um, I was talking a little bit earlier. Um, I also host, um, or one of the co-hosts of a podcast called Spoiler Country, me and uh, four other people, uh, Kenrick and uh, Regan and uh, John Horsley, Melissa Cersei and, and Casey, can't remember the last name um also do a podcast and we talk to guests as often and sometimes we do get into the weeds a little bit about certain things like comic books and it's fun it's fun to get into the weeds once in a while you know yeah and and let's let's use this moment here to uh to shout out all of your stuff where can people find you on on your show your social medias um any anything you want to throw out there for our listeners to find you okay so Pitch, uh, pitch time. Okay. <laughs> Malik writing devil issue one and God and um, gunmetal black ops is available right now on indie planet. Santa Claus is available on indie planet. Nightmare patrol is available on comiXology. Um, you can also find me talking to people on scpod.net, which is spoiler country podcast.net. Um, we have new episodes virtually every day. You can find us on t- me on Twitter under J House interviews under Vector Comic Books. Uh, Vector Comics. You can find me under Malik Reigns. Um, you can find me on Facebook under Jeff Haas and Vector Comic Books on Facebook. We I I've gone to many different um you can find me on Instagram under Vector underscore comics. So if you want to find me, there's many places to find me. If you want to get bored of me, check them all. I, know, I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> find him. turn over a rock. He's probably there. Yeah. It, it seems that way from time to time. You're like Vector Jeff Spoiler Country? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you said on Spoiler Country, you guys have episodes almost every day. I assume that's why you have so many hosts. So yeah, like- uh, we have we, we we usually release about six to seven episodes a week. We have about we do about seven new episodes a week. Uh, however, there's usually about three or four weeks bef- between the recording and the release. So we're backlogged usually about four weeks um, in, in advance. Um, but yeah, we, we have, um, we have what the John Horsley does mostly the editing and the graphics, Kenrick, uh, myself, Casey and Melissa do the interviewing. Uh, we used to do about two or three interviews a week and yeah, we, we, we get, we have some good guests. Um, you guys want to check us out. Um, recent guests, we did, um, Ed Asner. We did Thomas Jane. Ed Asner. We had Ed Asner on about, uh, Holy that re- shit. yeah, that was about two weeks ago. Granny goodness himself. Yeah. Um, next week we have a big guest. Um, uh, so far it looks like we're getting Sean Gunn will be on. Oh yeah. So, um, we, we got some good ones being released next week should be Lana CJ Perry. She's a, a wrestler. Um, uh, we're going to have, um, how rail the Ross, um, their voice actors. Um, I'm trying to think of any, um, John Billingsley is coming out shortly. He's uh, if anyone knows Dr. Flox from Star Trek, um, enterprise. So yeah, we, we got a lot of um, decent names um, that are down the pipeline. Check us out, like I said, every day, and you'll see someone brand new. 
And I imagine we can find the show on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or any any uh, reputable podcatcher. Spotify. Yeah, we have a YouTube channel as well if you want to see it on video. Most of them are audio only, but we have some that are video as well. Like the Thomas Jane one was video as well. You can find it on YouTube. Um, I also only do – myself, mine only, usually are only audio only, so those are only going to be on the website. You'll find them on Apple Podcasts. You'll find them on um, most – I don't know most of them. I, Podbean is probably the primary one of the primary ones. Cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're, we've grown very rapidly over the last uh, year and a half. We'll have to pick your brain off air to get some notes. <laughs> Grow rapidly? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's fun. All it takes is continual obsession, um, anger from your spouse to tell you to stop, to, you know, get more free time. And, um, um, a lack of other things to do. See, that's that's the problem, Ben. Our spouses are too understanding. Yeah, they need to yell yeah. at us more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, right. it, it's good fun. Well, thank you very much, Jeff, for joining us. We 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 appreciate it. Um, uh, uh, ben, you said you'll throw the uh, the Kickstarter in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, I'll throw the Kickstarter link in the show notes and uh, a whole bunch of other links to find Jeff. Hey, everyone. This is Ben from the future. As you may have noticed, uh, we recorded this uh, back in May, and uh, Malik Raining Devil is live on Kickstarter right now. No more waiting. So uh, go check it out. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, as stated, and uh, give uh, our buddy Jeff Haas a little bit of support. Yeah, do it. And uh, support your your local and independent creators, and if you want to let us know how uh, how... You enjoyed today's show? I don't know. We've been out of this for a little while. I don't remember our uh, the 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 ending that we use every single time. That's the, always been the exact same. You can hit <laughs> us up uh, at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on the social medias, Facebook, Geeksploration, the podcast page, uh, Instagram, Geeksploration Podcast, and Twitter at Pod. Yeah, and if you enjoy this show or any of the other ones, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or uh, Podchaser. Or anywhere else where people value your opinion. Carrier Pigeon. Oh, you could also call 916-ORC-TURD. That is O-R-C-T-U-R-D. And uh, leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. Bye, everybody. Bye.